having your loins girt about with truth. Going back to 13, the end of 13, top of 14. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, stand up to it. Yeah, touch your other neighbor and say, neighbor, did you hear what I said? Stand up to it. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this moment in time. We thank you, Lord, for your grace, for your mercy that would allow us to gather here without sorrow, Lord. We come, Lord, to hear what you have to say to us. The flower fades, the grass withers, but your word shall stand forever, Lord. Now speak to us, O oh God. We come empty before you, Lord. Hide me behind your cross, Lord. I want you to be glorified, God. Somebody came here today, Lord, needing a word from you, Lord. And I pray, God, that you would do just that. That you would fill them and touch them. Show them how much they are loved by touching them, God, today. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Stand up to it. Stand up to it. So I wrote in my 20s, my early 20s, that's before there was any loss up top or any grade down below, praise God. I wrote a book in my early 20s based on Ephesians 6, and I called it The Courage to Stand. It was a self-published book. It was so self-published that I went to Kinko's and I had the spiral binding of it. It was, it was self-published. I don't even think the book had 40 pages in it. It was just something I felt like the Lord had called me to do and I published maybe five or ten copies of the book. Never sold it, never went to uh, any major publishing. I just self-published it myself because I wanted to write a book. And I wrote it and I wrote it talking about the armor that Paul would talk about having us to put on. And I called it The Courage to Stand. And I wrote the book in my early 20s. Sorry, you got to deal with me because the Lord has been preaching this to me all week. So now I got to preach it to you the way he gave it to me. So I wrote the book in my early 20s before I really knew what all I was going to have to stand up against. I wrote the book in my early 20s before I was a father. I wrote the book in my early 20s before I was a father of teenage daughters. Praise God, there's another sermon. Come back later. I wrote the book before I knew what life was going to throw at me and what it was going to call me to stand to. So I wrote the book, The Courage to Stand, before I knew what I was going to have to stand on. I wrote the book before I knew that in life I would go through a divorce and that, thank God, praise the Lord Jesus Christ, that I would find another love and the love of my life and love would find me and wrap its arms around me again. I, I wrote the book before 
before I realized that there are going to be people in your life who say, I will never leave you, and the next week walk out on you. I wrote the book before I realized what life was going to throw at me and cause me to stand up against. I wrote the book before I would have setback after setback, and I would have to find a place in of peace of my own. I wrote the book before I knew I was going to have to go through some of the darkest periods of my life. I wrote the book before I would go through a series of years where everybody who was pretty influential in my life would die each one after another. I wrote the book before I realized that there are going to be people in your life who take up most of the part of your heart that will end up crushing it and end up walking away and leaving you heartbroken from the very heart that you have poured out love from. I wrote the book before I realized what all I was going to have to endure as a good soldier of the Lord. I wrote the book before I realized what all I was going to have to do in this life. I wrote the book before I experienced all that I had to get to the place I am today. And I wrote the book before I really knew what standing was. Now, if I write the book, now when I read this, having done all to stand, I look at stand differently now. Stand takes on a different meaning. Stand looks different to me now because here I am in my 40s and I wrote the book before I realized that you can be in your 40s and now life, God can give you a restart on life, that, that your life can end up better on the second half than it was the first half. And I realized that the things I took for granted now, I don't take for granted anymore because the older you get, the more you realize that those whom you love are slipping away day by day. And you must be uh, quite, quite adherent at, at making sure that, that, that you run after them and that you love them and you take every moment you can because sooner or later that time will not be an option. I wrote the book before I realized who mattered and who didn't matter, what mattered and what didn't matter. I wrote the book before I realized that there are going to be some nights you're going to be standing up worried about something that five years down the road you forgot what you were worried about. There are going to be some nights you're going to stay up worrying about something that you thought would kill you and you look around the corner and you can't even remember who that was. You can't even remember somebody was saying something about you, threatening to kill you. They were threatening to kill you on social media. Now, here you are. You can't even remember who that person's name was. When somebody, when they walk up to you, you don't even remember them. You thought they were a friend. You forgot they were an enemy. I, I, you, you know, you grow up and you realize, oh, I worried about something I had no business worrying about. But you were, you were young then. You didn't even know. It looked so insurmountable. It looked so big then. You didn't even realize I worried about something that didn't even matter. I worried about somebody that didn't even matter. I'm older now. Some things that you were able to, you were able to shake off as a happenstance, some things that happened to you, you just realize. It wasn't as big of a deal as I thought it was. Anybody ever gone through that and you just realize that wasn't as big of a deal as I thought it was? And you look back on it, you can't believe that, that you 
had given that much energy to that thing, given that much energy to that person, given that much space in your heart to this thing. You, you feel like, what did I do? What was, what was I thinking? How did I waste all of that time being worried about something that, that never happened, that all that the woulda, coulda, and shoulda of your early youth, it never happened. And so now you're older and you realize, oh, what was I worried about? I could have I could have done something better. I could have I could have went on and, and went to school somewhere else. I could have went on and did something productive with my life. Instead, I was worried about something or somebody that didn't even matter. One of my movies that I like to watch all the time, I I, I like to watch it, but it's really so gruesome, I can't really take myself to watch it, is Saving Private Ryan. My wife is laughing because she's trying to figure out what to put me in. Saving Private Ryan. Anybody ever seen that movie before? Saving Private Ryan is really, really uh, a depiction of when the American troops believe they were on the shores of Normandy. And the opening of the scene, the opening of the movie is where they are coming to the shore but being bombarded by the grenades and the bombs. And they had to make a decision. Either you stand here and let the grenades and the bombs keep hitting you, or you take cover, lay low, and then advance and move forward accordingly. And one thing that that movie has taught me, anything you watch about war, any, any movie or any historical documentary that you watch is that the soldiers, before they move forward, they have to lay low in the trenches to take cover, but before they're able to make their next move, they must first stand up to move forward. What does that mean? That means that before you are able to really solidify, really move forward in life, rather, you must be willing to take a stand in order to move forward in advancement. You cannot lay down and move forward at the same time. You must first stand up in order to start to walk. You must first stand up in order to start to run. You must first stand up in order to start the movement towards advancement. You cannot lay down, you cannot be comfortable and advance. As it is in the natural, so it is in the spirit. The difference between fighting in the natural and fighting in the spirit are two different types of standing. If I was to confront you in the natural, you would know exactly what to do. You would guard your face, probably swing with the left, swing with the right, take the chin out. Somebody in here, you're a boxing fanatic, you're a boxing expert, you probably said that's the wrong combo, that's the wrong technique. You probably go for the chin or the jugular, probably go for the chest or something like that. But you would know naturally how to take the enemy out. Like it is, so you, you know how to do that in the natural, but in the spirit, the fight that you have to fight is different. The standing that you have to do is different when it comes to the spiritual. If you want to confront something in the spiritual, you don't necessarily have to stand up physically, but inside, internally, you must be willing to stand up to it. 
the enemy that we are fighting, though he manifests himself outwardly, we as believers, the biggest fight that we have to fight may not be a physical manifestation. It may be all internally. The biggest fight that we have to fight may not be the one that's right in front of us that you can name, that, that you know their address. The biggest fight that we may have to fight may be the one that looks at us in the mirror. Yeah. The one that drives down the road with us. The one that lays in the bed with us at night. Our very own thoughts, us, me, the enemy, enemy. The thing that you may have to fight is your biggest opponent it's not seven foot two, 400 pounds. It could be you. It could be the screams of regret that are constantly reminding you of what you missed out on. It could be the things that constantly remind you that you are not where you want to be. It could be the things that remind you that, 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 that you could be doing better if you just tried harder. It, it could be the things that, that are constantly reminding you about the person who walked out and now you think, is it, is it me? And so you're constantly asking yourself, is it me? Am I the problem? It could be the thing in between your two ears is the biggest thing you have to stand up against. Paul, when he writes this letter in Ephesians, this is one of the four letters that Paul wrote in, in prison. He writes to the, to the church that has been set up in, in Ephesus. And this is, Ephesus is the Roman, it's the capital of the Roman province of Asia. And this is a vital uh, commercial center for the Roman Empire. And it was uh, one of the famous, one of the places for the famous temple of the fertility goddess Diana, who was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Paul used Ephesus as the center of his missionary work in the region. Paul opened up the letter talking about redemption through Christ and, and talked about who we are redeemed through his blood through the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which is made known unto us by the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he has in you. Let me be that. So I, I, I end up getting on something else and, and losing my thought. But, but he talks about how we are saved by grace and not through works, lest any man should boast. And I think that's pretty big for us to know, especially us who like to who like to tout our intellect. Your intellect didn't save you. The works didn't save you. Nothing you did saved you. We are saved by grace, lest any man should boast. I love the Lord because He puts it right on plain playing field that nobody in this room can say, I did A, B, and C, and that's the reason I'm saved. I did A, B, and C, and that's the reason why God blessed me. I did A, B, and C, that's the reason why God favored me. No, Paul takes it all the way down and says, we are saved by grace, lest any man should boast. I thank God for that because that means if I'm illiterate, I'm I can be saved. That means if I'm rich and wealthy, I can be saved. That means if I come in off the street, I can be saved. Nothing that I do is able to neglect the fact that God has saved me and washed me and that Jesus' blood is able to wash away my sins. I'm so thankful to that because had it been up to man, that man would make you have some requirements before they would allow you salvation. 
salvation man would ask you to do certain things and live up to a certain standard, pay dues, pay us some kind of entry fee before they would allow you into salvation. But God said, I'm taking all of that away and I'm saying I'm going to save you by faith and not by your works. Because I never want you to get the credit for something that I did and that I give freely to my believers, freely to my children. I'm giving it freely to you. All you got to do is open up your heart. I'm giving it freely to you. She said, if any man coming to me, I would have no wise turn him away. That means it doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what you've been into. It don't matter what you did last night. He said, if anybody comes to me, I am going to freely give them this salvation. All you got to do is open up your heart. All you got to do is confess with your mouth and believe with your heart. That's the only prerequisite to salvation. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that because some of us sometimes, you don't feel as smart as you are. Some of us sometimes, you, we, we talk ourselves out of being better. We talk ourselves out of going forward. We talk ourselves out of doing more. And then talking ourselves out of that, if we talk ourselves out of the natural things, you can talk yourself out of salvation by thinking, oh, I must do this or I must do that in order for God to love me. I should. I, I, I don't feel worthy of God to save me. I don't feel worthy of God to deliver me. He said, I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to set you free. I don't care what you've been into. My blood can wash you. My blood can clean you. I don't care who has said what. I don't care what your family bloodline has been. My blood is able to wash you regardless of what your family has been, regardless of the bloodline of your family. My blood is, is ever so great that it can wash you and clean you no matter what you have been in. You want to praise God for that. You want to praise God that he washed you and cleaned you and he saw you and he picked you up and he said, I don't care what you've done. I can clean you. I can deliver you. I can set you free. I got something for you. I'm going to pick you up and I'm going to make you mine. He talks about in chapter 4 how he gave some spiritual gifts, some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teaching for the, for the perfecting of the saints and the work of the ministry, for the edification of the body. Can I tell you something where God has called you to be a pastor or a prophet or evangelist is for his work. It's not for you. It's a gift that you're not going to be able to take into heaven. So you might as well use it while you're here. It's not yours. I love these people who love to tap their titles and positions as if it's something that you did on your own. No, God gave you that gift. And it's not like you're going to be able to take the road into heaven. So you might as well use it effectively. Use it all while you can while you're here. No matter what gift God has given you. The Bible says every good and perfect gift come from above. So no matter what God has given you, use your giftings here. Why are you hiding your gift waiting on tomorrow? Why are you hiding your gifts waiting on something else to happen? You might as well use it here. We're not going to need a choir in heaven. We got it already covered. We're not going to need a preacher in heaven. We got it already covered. We're not going to need your gift of administration in heaven. We got that already covered. So you might as well use your giftings now. Use your giftings now. Stop waiting on tomorrow. What if tomorrow never comes? You're waiting on a day that may never come. And you're arrogantly assuming that God's going to give you tomorrow. Just because you put plans on your calendar doesn't mean that God has said, oh, well, I'm not going to take them home today because they got plans for next Tuesday. No. If it pleases his will, 
He'll do whatever he wants to. So you might as well use your gift now. You using your gift is a gift back to God. That's your thank you back to God by using the gift he's given you. It's not just singing. It's not just preaching. Most of the time in church, we, you, we talk about gifts as what we see on stage. But you can be gifted and doing anything. It doesn't have to be on this stage. What has God gifted and called you to do? Some of you are called to be bridge builders. Some of you are called to be networkers. Some of you are called to bridge bills and to mend fences with people and bring some of the most unlikely people into the same environment, the same places to make connection. Some of you are gifted at that. Some of you, God has given you the gift of persuasion that when you are able to talk to somebody and they can see your point of view and he wants to use that gift for his glory. You're gifted for that. What are you waiting on? What, what day will you say is a perfect day to be used of God? What day is going to be that? What day will you say, this is finally a good day that I think I'm going to let God use me? You'll never feel like it externally. Your flesh will never feel like doing what God called you to do. Paul said, I put every day, I try every day to put my flesh under subjection under the will of God. You've got to put your flesh under subjection. You'll never feel like doing the will of God. You never will. You never feel like getting up, going to church. Your flesh doesn't feel like it. Because when the alarm went off, I mean, I'm pretty sure by the indication of how many times you hit that snooze button, that tells me how much your flesh wanted to get up and come this morning. Mine was about three, four times. But I made the flesh come under subjection of the spirit. It's not about me. It's about doing what God has called me to do while I can. Yeah. Because while you are holding back, while you are waiting to do what God has called you to do, there's somebody in the hospital room wishing they had the energy you had. They're wishing they had the strength and the youth and the vitality and the, and the, the clarity of mind to do what you do freely. But we take it for granted because you can just do it so naturally, you think that I'll always have it. Who's to say you will? Yeah. My God, is this okay? Yes. Chapter 6, he talks about children, obey your parents in the Lord, for it is right. Honor thy mother and thy father, which is the first commandment. If you grew up in a house, if you had parents who grew, up, grew you up in church, you heard that all the time. Obey your mother and father. Honor thy mother and thy father. You say anything back. Honor thy mother, thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment. I don't feel like going, honor thy mother and father. So you heard that a lot. Then he gets to chapter 6 and he talks about, finally, my brother, chapter 6 and, and 10, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Talks about putting on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the ways of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Principalities are like governments. Principalities are those things that hover over certain families. They hover over certain regions. They hover over certain areas. They control a certain territory. So you can see certain families have certain uh, 
they have certain principalities over because you can see in certain families there's a certain thing that kind of is pervasive through that family. It's kind of pervasive in that region. It's kind of pervasive in that certain area. If you remember when Jesus uh, cast out legions, they said, suffer is that so that we do not leave the region. We got a principality. We got a stronghold over this region. So we don't want to leave this region. That's the reason why it is so hard to do a certain work in certain areas because there's a certain principality over that area. Praise God. There's a certain principality over this area that is not like the one over California. That's not like the one over Chicago. It's not like the one over Dallas. There's a certain there's a certain legion of demons that, that work over in this area that says that you can only do so mo so much and no more. There's a certain region that works in your family that says our family doesn't do this and this and you'll you'll notice if you go down the bloodlines you'll see what, what demons work in certain areas in certain ways. And so he says you you wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness and uh, uh, in this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Mm. When I looked at that, it sounded very familiar to me that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It made me think about Second Corinthians ten and three. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Can I tell you this? The devil cannot fight God. I'm going to say it again. Because I want you to understand The devil cannot fight God. He cannot fight the God in you. What he wants to do is to fight the perception of God in you. I'll say it again. He cannot fight God. What he can do is fight the perception of God in you. Let me give you this example. Have you ever had a water bottle in your house. You drink the water, drink some. You put the water down. That happens. You put the water down. You know you just set that water down. You walk away. You come back a few minutes later. You wonder. Is this my water bottle or somebody else's? You know you just had the water bottle. But you had you left it there so long, other people have come and gone. Some other people you saw them drinking water. Now you question, it's not that the water can't quench your thirst, 
It's not that the water has lost its wetness, but you wonder, is this water bottle as pure as I once believed it was? The water had changed, but your perception of it has changed. And more than likely, that now becomes plant food. You just pour that. <laughs> I don't know. I ain't gonna chance it. I had a lot of people here. I love you, all family, but I'm going to go ahead and Ferns, congratulations. You just got some water. So the devil cannot, he cannot fight God. He wants to fight your perception of God. When he asked Eve, he said, surely. When Eve was talking back with the serpent and she said, well, we can't eat in the street because we're going to die. The serpent said, surely you're not going to die. Surely that's not what he meant. Surely that's not what God meant when he said that. Again, he cannot fight God. He can fight your perception of God. I want everybody to write this note down. I want you to write this note down. Write, type, I want you to get this note down. There's one sentence. Three letters. God loves me. Now, God loves me. God said, put a period on. What the devil will do, your adversary will come and put a line over it with a hump in it and make it a question mark. Same sentence. But he wants to make you read it differently. He cannot fight God. He's trying to fight your perception of God. He's trying to fight how you see God. He's trying to fight. Surely, God didn't mean for you to go through this. It must be something you've done. Surely, God sees you, right? Surely, he didn't mean that everybody was going to walk away. What did you do? And so now we wrestle as men and women of faith like God. Do you love me? Surely, you saw me coming through this. You knew I was going to get through this. You knew that this thing was going to come and confront me. Surely, you're going to save me out of it. See, the devil is trying to just add that question mark where God wants to make it a statement. God is going to deliver you. That's an exclamation point. But he wants to change the punctuation to just add a little bit of doubt in your mind and says, God is going to deliver me. But I want to start, I want you to change your vernacular on how you talk back to the devil. Yeah. How you talk back to your worries. How you talk back to your stresses. How you talk back to your problems. See, you have got to change that and you have got to stand up to it. You've been too silent. You've been too quiet. And the reason why the devil's been talking so much because you haven't been talking at all. Yeah. You haven't been saying anything. You, you've just been allowing him to come in night after night and lose and sleep 
because he's been coming in and he's taking that statement and he's making it a question. Are you going to die in this? Am I going to be able to come out of this? Does God love me enough to save me out of it? And the Lord is saying, you have got to stand up to it. Stand up to it and start talking back. Telling yourself, I'm blessed. You need to wake up every morning talking about, telling yourself, I'm blessed. I'm blessed in the city and I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed in the going out. I'm blessed in my coming. The fruit of my body is blessed. You need to start saying that to yourself. You need to start walking around your house knowing that. You need to start saying, the Lord is my mighty banner. The Lord is my strong tower. The Lord is my present help in the time of trouble. I'm telling you, the way you're going to stand up to it is by starting that. Start by talking back to those voices, to those spirits. To those lying, deceptive thoughts that said you'll never get out of it. The devil is alive. You need to start talking back. Yeah. Yeah. You're too silent. You're too silent about it. If somebody was to do something to you at work, the first thing you would do is you would go to your HR and want to talk about it. Somebody do something to you in traffic, the first thing you do is you say something to them. Somebody do something to you on social media, you will clap back to them, you will say something back to them. But when the devil gets to talking to you, you say nothing, you stay silent, you say the Lord is going to fight my battle. Yes, the Lord is going to fight the battle, the Lord is going to give you the victory, but the first thing the Lord wants you to do is to stand up to it. Stand up to it and refuse to let the devil make you cower down to what he is saying. The devil has no authority over your life. My God, you've got to stand up to it. Psalms 118 and 17 says, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Yeah. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. This business shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. This marriage shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. This house shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. See, that needs to be your mantra. That needs to be what you say every day. You need to start looking in the mirror every day and say, I will not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. You got to start talking back to yourself. Look yourself in the mirror and say, whatever your name is, Richard, you shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Helen, you shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. You need to get that down in your spirit to every day when the devil comes back and reminds you of what you did. What you did will always be there, but what you are going to is about to happen, and you need to talk yourself out of that situation. Get out of that. Start talking to yourself, saying, I shall not die, but live. You say, I don't know that much scripture. I just gave you one verse. Psalms 118 and 17. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Let's say it together. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Say it again. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Say it again. I shall not die. 
but live and declare the works of the Lord. You need to say that to your problems. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Say it to your situation. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Say it to your inside. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. When the doctor gives you a bad report, I shall not die. But live and declare the works of the Lord. You got to start standing up to it. Talking back to it. Don't let the devil make you whimper down and cower down. I don't care who has died at an early age in your family. I don't care what has happened. I don't care what has happened to people in your neighborhood. A thousand may fall at thy right hand. Ten thousand on thy left. But it shall not come nigh me. I shall not die. But live and declare the works of the Lord. My God. I'm going to keep saying that until you see it in your spirit. Until you start regurgitating that every day. Until you start walking around your house saying that. Until you accidentally say it when somebody say good morning and how are you? You say, I shall not die, but live. They don't even know how I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. My God, that's your word for this week. Stand up to it. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. I shall not die. I thought I was going to die, but I'm not going to die. I thought it was going to kill me, but it's not going to kill me. I can go to court tomorrow, and before I walk in the courtroom, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Before I go into the doctor's office to get the results, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. You need to give God a 30-second praise, because he just confirmed you shall not die. But live and declare the works of the Lord. But if we expect God's all, 
You give God a portion, but you want his fullness. God said, having done all to stand, stand. The reason why it feels like you cannot stand is because you haven't done all to stand. The reason why it's feeling like it's so hard for you to stand is because you have not done all to stand. What does that mean? That means that when is the last time you really prayed to God and thank God and worship God without bringing up what you need? When is the last time you told somebody about the goodness of the Lord without being coerced? When is the last time you make mention of his name without telling somebody about what he's doing right now for you, but you're just talking about his goodness? When is the last time you read his word just to get fed? See, as a pastor, as, as ministers, as preachers, we love to read God's words so we can give it to others. But if you don't read it to get yourself, to feed yourself, then you can be giving it out and empty on the inside. You can't just come in and worship for others without having that moment when you steal away. He said, when is the last time you've done something so that you and I can commune together? You haven't done all to stand. You've done some to stand. You don't even have enough scripture in you to know that this thing that you're going through, I already gave you the answer on how you're going to get out of it. Yes. You only know the scripture that you hear the preacher say, and you only know that until you walk out the door. You haven't done all to stand, and you've done some to stand, and expect me to do the rest. But having done all to stand, stand, therefore, the woman with the issue of blood, she had been sick for 12 years. She had been to every physician she could. She had been to every doctor she could. She did everything that she could to get better. And she heard Jesus was passing by. So she decided she's going to get up in her sick state and go towards Jesus. And when she got close to Jesus, she was barely able to touch the hem of his garment. Now think about this. Here this lady is sick. She's been bowled over, the Bible says, for 12 years. She's been in agony 12 years. How painful must it have been for her to get up out of the bed not only get up out of the bed, but to walk to find Jesus. To go through a crowd to find Jesus. Now, not only to go through the crowd to find him, but to fight his close inner circle to get closer to him. She went through all of that effort only to touch the hem of his garment. But in doing all of that, she was able to be healed instantly. Because she did that. Can I tell you something? The deliverance you're asking God for, the, the freedom you're asking God for, the thing you're asking God for, is going to come with discomfort. You cannot stand up and be comfortable at the same time. The reason why the Lord said it must come with discomfort is because if it comes with discomfort, nobody will ever be able to take it away from you. If it comes with discomfort, you're going to remember what it felt like 
when God delivered you. So that when you get ready to go through something else, you will already know, I've been through that. So I'm going to fight harder for my peace now because I remember what I went through to get back here. I'm not going to let nothing separate me from where God has me now. I'm not going back to that place because it took me too long to get to this place where I am right now. And some of you, you have to go through hell and high water and you're in a place now where you remember what it was like fighting the crown to get to Jesus and you won't let nothing else take you back to where you were. And so you're saying, Lord, if I got to stay all day long if I gotta fight all night long I'm gonna get what you have for me having done all to stand stand therefore my God you remember what the winds will be like fighting standing right there standing waiting on the answer from God you know what it's like when God has done something so you won't let nothing else take you back to what it was like before you stood I'm not going to let nothing else take me back there because it costs me too much to stand right here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He said, I, you cannot be comfortable because if you're comfortable, your mind will forget what it costs you to be here. The Lord is not commanding you to fight this spiritual battle in your flesh. He is commanding you to stand up to it. To have the attitude that you refuse to quit. You refuse to give in. That you refuse to allow the circumstances on the outside to affect what's going on on the inside. The battle is not yours. It belongs to God. But he wants you to stand up and don't allow life to make you lay down and just take it. Yeah. Let me tell you this and I'm close. Real quick. See, the devil, your adversary, is strategic. He is strategic in the way that he doesn't send you one thing because if he sends you one thing, you can defeat him and you can keep going. But what he wants to do is he wants to send you one thing after another. And as soon as you get through this, here comes that. And as soon as that's over, then boom, here comes something else. So what he does is he does, he tries to wear you out and tire you out through a series of events. So he said, I know I cannot fight him one-on-one. -on -one. I know I cannot fight her one-on-one. -on -one. So I'm going to send a game to jump on him. First thing is your marriage. And then once it's your marriage, you got kind of get that situated, then everything in your money starts going crazy. And then you get the money situation settled, now here's things on your job are going crazy. Now things on your job are settled, now the kids are acting crazy. And things on your job are starting, the kids are starting to finally act like they got some sense, and now the air conditioning is breaking down again. So it's one thing after another, after another. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to constantly do stuff to wear you down so that he makes you think that you are never going to get over this. But let me tell you why. I am confident that you 
are going to overcome this battle. Are you ready? First Peter 5 and 8. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. I'll say it again. See if you catch that. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walking about, seeking whom he may devour. Can I tell you something? I want you to read that again. It said, he walking as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. It didn't say he walks like a roaring lion. It didn't say he is a roaring lion. He's walking as a roaring lion. The devil is antagonizing you. The devil is barking at you. The devil is roaring at you. Your problems are roaring at you. It's a facade. It's a facade. The reason why the lion roars like that is to let you know they are the king of the jungle and to let, off, let any prey know that they are in the area. The devil is roaring at you, not that he can overtake you, not that he can defeat you, but he's trying to intimidate you. It's an intimidation factor. That's all he's doing. God did not give him the authority to take you out, yeah. but he wants to act as though he has authority by roaring and getting you to take the bait. He wants to act like he has authority. So he's going to roar and make you feel like that he's actually going to do what he said he's going to do. He wants to see if you're going to believe the press by his roar. He wants to see if you're actually going to believe what he says. When he says, I'm going to take you out. But he's roaring like a roaring lion. But he's lying. The lion is lying. The lion is lying. Let me tell you something that the lion cannot take you out. He is like a roaring lion, but the devil is defeated. He just wants to see if you are going to take the bait, if you are actually going to believe him over God's word. Yeah. What did God say? I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. So the devil says, surely that's not what God meant. So he goes about and he throws just a little bit of doubt in your spirit, in your mind, in your circumstances that says, surely God didn't mean he's going to bring you all the way out. Surely God didn't mean he's going to bring your family all the way out. Surely that's not what he meant. But I came to tell you today that the devil is a liar. In Isaiah 59 and 19, the Bible says when the enemy came in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord set up a standard against him. I came to tell you every time it feels like you're about to drown in the flood of what the enemy's bringing in, the Lord is going to set up a standard against him. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what's been barking at you. I don't know what you're fighting. But the Lord told me to tell you to stand up to it. Stand up to it. The Lord is going to fight your battles, but he wants you to stand up to it. This is the last day you're going to lay down and take his punches. 
This is the last day you're going to lay down and let him talk to you all night long. This is the last day you're going to lay down and take him fighting your family. Have we done all to stand? I'm going to stand there for with my loins girt about. Have we done all to stand? I'm going to stand if I'm the only one in my family standing. I'm going to stand if I'm the only one on my neighborhood standing. I'm going to stand if I'm the only one in my church standing. I'm going to stand because I refuse to let you take me out with your false eat, with your false acute accusations. I refuse to let you take me out with your roaring, with your barking. You are lying. The devil is antagonizing. The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee. Once he sees that he can no longer take control over you, he says, okay, I guess it doesn't work anymore. I'm going to have to leave them because she believes God too much for me to keep antagonizing her. That man has gotten so strong, I can't fight him with the stuff I used to fight. So now I'm going to flee. Resist the devil and he will flee. Second Corinthians says for these light afflictions, which are but for a moment, work for us a far more exceeding weight of glory. It doesn't feel light to me, Lord. But the Lord said that thing that you're going through is light to me. This light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. I got something for you. It's a light affliction. It doesn't feel like because it's like to me it's God. I can lift it up, but if you stand up to it, I'm going to lift it up off of your shoulders. If you stand up to it, I'm going to lift it up off of your back. If you stand up to it, I just wanted to get you in a position where you stand up. The reason why I feel so heavy is because if you try to lift weights while you're sitting down, there's a different resistance on you. I got a weight train in here. You can validate that word. If you stand up to it, you can lift the weight and manage the weight differently. But because you won't stand up to it, that's the reason why I feel so heavy. But the Lord said, having done all to stand, stand therefore, I'm going to strengthen your back. If you stand therefore, I'm going to give you the victory. If you stand therefore, I'm going to deliver you. Nobody who was able to walk out of that situation was able to walk out of it until they first stood up to it. I came to tell you, stand up to those voices. Stand up to everything that's threatening you and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my foe, we will serve the Lord. You can go fight somebody else down the street, but the victory is ours in Jesus' name. I don't know who that's for, but the Lord said if you stand up to it, this week you're going to see the victory in everything that the devil has been fighting you in. Every area the devil has been fighting you in. He said if you stand up to it, I'm going to give you the victory in Jesus' name. I dare you to praise God for the victory coming to your address. Praise God for the victory coming to your house. Praise God for the victory coming to your house. It's coming to your house. Stand up to it. Stand up to it. Because the Lord said if you stand up to it, you got to start talking to yourself differently. Psalms 104 says, Enter this gate with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. You got to start standing up to it and talking differently. You start walking into your job saying, I'm going to enter his courts with praise. I'm coming with singing. I'm going to let the Lord's song build my heart. I'm not going to walk in anymore being lonely. I'm not going to walk in anymore with my head down. 
I'm going to walk in every day saying, I shall not die, but live. And declare the works of the Lord. You'll be mumbling at that work. They don't even know what you're talking about. I'm just talking back to that devil. I'm standing up to him. I shall not die, but live. And declare the works of the Lord. Let me tell you this. 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 Let me tell you this, how God has been fighting your battles already, and you didn't even realize it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. When I was going through some of my darkest, darkest, darkest moments, all I could hear was one scripture in my head. I was going through the darkest moments of my life, and I wondered, Lord, will I ever come out of this? What's going to happen to me? Here I am in my 40s, and Lord, it feels like my life is already over. And the Lord gave me Psalm 41, 11. By this I know that thou hast favored me, because my enemies does not triumph over me. My God, that's your word. By this I know that thou hast favored me, for my enemies does not triumph over me. By this I know, what is this? The fact that I'm still here. By this I know that I'm still standing up. By this I know that I'm still able to give God a praise. By this I know that the Lord has favored me. For he has not allowed, allowed, allowed my enemies to triumph over me. The thing I thought was going to kill me, I'm still standing. The thing that said I'm coming for you and you're going to be dead by the end of the week, I'm still here. The thing that I thought was going to put me in an institution, I'm still here. The Lord said, you should know by this I know that the Lord has favored me, for he has not allowed my enemy to triumph over me. What are your enemies? The thing that came against you, the thing that threatened you, the thing that said, I'm going to kill your future, the thing that said, I'm going to kill your marriage, the thing that said, I'm going to kill your family, that thing did not triumph over me. That right there is a sign that the Lord has favored me because everything I thought that the devil said he was going to do, look around, he wasn't able to do it. He wasn't able to do it. And the victory belongs to Jesus. My God, it wasn't able to take me out. The victory belongs to Jesus. The victory belongs to Jesus. And everything I thought the devil was going to do, he wasn't able to do it. Try You can try all you want to, but you won't be able to succeed because I'm covered in the blood. Oh, glory to God. Oh, I'm covered in the blood. The death angel came and it swept by and came by my house. But when the death angel saw the blood, he said, I'm not able to affect the house because it's already been deafened. I thank God for the blood. 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 Maybe you just came to Christ. You don't even know. You don't have all the scriptures. You don't know all the scriptures, right? He said, wait, you don't know all the scriptures. And you don't know which ones to quote. And so you don't really know how to fight the devil. I'm going to give you this one tool. If you don't know your Bible yet, you don't know enough scriptures yet, fine. All you need to do is start walking around your house pleading the blood. If you start pleading the blood, the devil's got the back up. If you start pleading the blood, the devil's got the back up. If you start pleading the blood on your job, the devil's got the back up. You don't gotta know Greek or Hebrew. All you gotta do is know the blood. You don't gotta know First Thessalonians, First Galatians. You don't gotta know the book of Revelation. All you got to know is the blood. He said, for when I see the blood, I will pass over you and some of you the way you're going to get the victory is by pleading the blood. 
Some things you're not going to be able to fight in the natural. Go to counseling if you need to. Get therapy if you need to. But some things you will have to plead the blood over. Some things you have to plead the blood over. Get tutoring for your kids if you need it. Get extra help for them. But if some things you will have to walk in the room in the middle of the night, put the oil on their head and plead the blood and say, Satan, get out of here. Walk around your house. Put every doorpost on every window and bleed the blood. Some of you need to get your fight back. The devil's been threatening you and telling you everything. Well, I want you to know, the devil, I'm covered. I'm covered in the blood. You can say all the threats you want to, but I'm not going to cower down because I'm covered. The blood covers me. The blood has been covering me. The blood brought me this far. The blood's going to keep covering me. I dare you to take 30 seconds and praise God for the blood. Praise Him for the blood. Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. I could have been swallowed up. Praise Him. The COVID couldn't kill me. Praise Him. The disease couldn't kill me. Praise Him.
you fight the wrong one, devil, I came to tell you I'm going to stand right here if I'm standing and it feels like I want to throw up on the inside. If I'm standing and it feels like everything on the outside is going crazy, I'm going to stand right here, devil, I'm going to stand my ground. Florida ain't the only one that got it. I'm going to stand my ground and I refuse to die. in this room because that hand you're holding the devil came after them that hand you're holding the devil said I'm going to take them out that hand you're holding the devil came with everything he had for them but the devil is alive I want you to take about 30 seconds and pray for your neighbor whose hand you hold you don't know what their week has been like. You don't know what the devil has been fighting them, trying to do. He's been fighting them in their family and their finances. He's been fighting them through their kids. He's been fighting them at work. The loan wasn't approved. He's been fighting them through everything. And he's been saying, you won't be able to overcome this. He's been saying, I'm going to take you out, but the devil is alive. The devil is a liar. Father, I pray for every hand that is held. I pray for every heart in this room. I pray for everyone that's represented here. I pray, God, that you would touch, that you would touch them. You know what they've been going through. You know God, you know God, you know God, you know the secret faces in their hearts. You know God. I pray God that you would touch. Touch of God. That person who was the closest to giving up and giving out God. Give them the strength to stand. Give them the strength, God. The strength. They didn't even know they needed strength, God, but give them the strength to stand. I pray, God, that you would touch them today. Renew your spirit in them, God. Renew your spirit, God. I pray, God, that you would give them the courage to stand. I pray, God, that you will give them a fresh touch from you, God. Things have been haywire, Lord. They don't even know which way to turn, God. I thank you, Lord, for giving them just the ability to stand and just trust you. In Jesus' name. Release those hands. Lift those hands. Open up your mouth and let worship fill this place. Come on. Come on. Let worship fill this place. A praise to your God. 
of praise to your God. Come on. He's doing something in your heart of praise to your God. Come on, open up your mouth, Titus. Thank you, Lord. You thought it was going to be the summation of your life, but it wasn't. Thank you for sparing me. Thank you for sparing me. Thank you for sparing my life. If there is one who does not know the Lord and the pardon of your sins, he made it really simple. He said, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. There is nothing that you got to do externally. There's nothing extra you got to do. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. Thank you, Lord, for saving us. Thank you, Lord, that we're better. I'm going to ask that you, in this atmosphere, in this moment, while you're watching online, I'm going to ask that you would join with us, partner with us, and so into this ministry. This ministry, we, we got a lot of great things coming up. We got a lot of things we're coming up doing. We're thankful that the Lord would give us this opportunity. And we're going to, I'm going to ask that you would sow into this work, that you would sow into this, the kingdom of God. We got some great things in store. If you need an envelope, if you wave your hands, we'll get you an envelope. But if you look at the barcode that's on that form, that flyer, you'll be able to scan that barcode, download that, your information, and be able to sow that way. But we believe God that, that as He begins to open doors and make ways for this ministry, that He will do the same for you as you partner with this ministry. As you, as you connect with this ministry, we believe in God for the supernatural harvest to come into your life. We believe in God to do something supernatural and mighty in your life. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the ability to stand. Thank you, Lord. I'm better than I was. I'm able to stand. Thank you, Jesus. If you have your seed, would you stand with me as we consecrate these seeds to God? If you need a minute, say, wait a minute, we'll wait on
you have your seat, would you lift your seat up before God as we consecrate him, as we pray? God in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for these seeds. We thank you, Lord, for the sower. We pray, God, that you will bless these seeds, God, according to your will and to your word. We pray, God, for doors to be opened, God. We pray, God, for some doors to be closed. You know the ways that your sons and daughters need their prayers answered, God, and we stand in agreement that you're going to do those things, God. We stand in agreement, God, that we should have no lack. We stand in agreement, God, that we shall not die but live and declare your works. We stand in agreement, God, that as they come and come in with this house, God, that you're going to do something pressed down, shaking together, running over in their life. That you're going to cause men to give unto the bosom according to your word, God. We thank you, you're rebuking the devourer for our sake. Thank you, Lord, for supernatural harvest and a supernatural manifestation of your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as you sow those seeds, if you've come or you watched and you say, I want to make this church my church home, if there's one, I want you to come down. We're going to extend to you the right hand of fellowship. We're going to go home school and extend to you the right hand of fellowship. If there's one, you say, I want to make Great Hall Church my church, my church home. We want you to come and join us here. My God, bless his holy name. Thank you, Jesus.
Lord, I pray for my brother and sister as they go here and never from your presence, God, that you will be with them. Strengthen them, Lord. Bring us back here safely again next week, Lord. And we promise to forever give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you. We'll see you next week. Come on. Greet your neighbor on the way out. Give somebody a holy hand, shake a hug. Tell them you love them. Have a great Thank you.